Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, it's very simple. It's the same email address I've been using for the past 30 years on this show, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com. And we're coming to you tonight on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and Simul Radio and Simul TV. If you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. You know, I came in with the loving spoonful, Do You Believe in Magic? Because my guest this hour has written a fantastic book, and I'm talking about this book through experience. Now, let me tell you about my guest first of all. My guest is uh, Alan Zola. Kronzak. Uh, he is an author, educator, and sleight-of-hand artist. Now, for more than 25 years, his innovative programs, a blend of conjuring, science, history, and art, has been featured in schools, colleges, and libraries throughout the Northeast. He is the author of six uh, magic-centric books, including the New York uh, Times bestseller, The Sorcerer's Companion, A Guide to the Magical World of Harry Potter, which was co-authored with his daughter Elizabeth. And most recently, and this is why he is on the show tonight, Exo Nation, his new book, Grandpa Magic, a treasury of tricks, stunts, puzzles, and brain teasers designed to make Grandpa the coolest guy on the block. Well, thanks to this, this book, I am the coolest guy throughout Niagara, according to my grandson. Uh, Alan grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, attended uh, Carnegie Mellon University, and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in English from Bard College. Prior to his current career, he was a freelance writer, a jazz DJ, and the general manager of Classic Rock Radio Station on Eastern Long Island. Joining me now is the one and only Alan Kronzik. And uh, Alan, first of all, welcome to the show, and thank you for writing your book. Um, thank you for reading it and for trying it out and for, for showing your grandson. That's, that's wonderful. You know, I, I send out promo copies when somebody's going to interview me. 
but um, only occasionally does somebody actually put it to work. Well, I must tell you that uh, to see the eyes light up and you see, oh, how did you do that, Papa? How, how old is the grandkid? He's eight. Well, perfect age. Perfect age. And, you know, he, then he tells his friends, oh, come see what my, my Papa can do. And, of course, before you know it, you've got three or four little ones over for lunch and you're, you know, doing the grilled cheese sandwiches or the French toast or whatever. And uh, Okay, so you're doing shows already. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, except, yeah. except I, I'm supposed to get paid, right? Uh, yeah, well, you're supposed to split it. But, yeah. <laughs> All right, you're my new manager. <laughs> okay. And there's a, I don't know if you tried it, uh, got to it yet. There's a routine in there uh, called the Great Zucchini in which um, eight years old is, is, is old enough. You and he can uh, put on a show, you know, at a family gathering where yeah. he's a psychic. He's a psychic, and he knows what people are thinking and what objects. And it's, it's really a wonderful trick to do with him. So uh, have a look at it. If you haven't seen it yet. Let me ask you this, uh, my friend. What was your inspiration for writing this book? Um, uh, truly, uh, well, articulating it was my wife uh, and also noticing it more than I do. The fact that um, after many, many performances, uh, people would come up to me, particularly social performances, people would come up to me afterwards and say, hey, uh, do me a favor, Alan, teach me something I can show my grandkids. Can you just show me something really simple mm -hmm. that I can do? And uh, when I had the time, I, I certainly would do that. But my wife said, hey, Alan, you know, that, there might be a book there. Lots and lots of people want that. And uh, that turned out to be, to be true. It was a, a terrific idea. And, um, you know, the response has been terrific. The uh, grandparents are buying it. They're getting it as gifts, and they're, they're putting it to work. And what you said about the face lighting up, that's... Um, you know, that's the glory of it. That's the, the, there's a bond there, and there's a bond that uh, the kid will remember for the rest of his life. You know, kids remember the first really amazing magic tricks um, they've seen. And, uh, and especially for grandparents who don't uh, live close to their grandchildren, so they, you know, see them on holidays or right. not too often, and they don't really have a relationship, you know, and um, often. And, and Grandpa doesn't really know how to connect in the hour or three hours or the day they're going to have together. Um, but with this in his arsenal, mm -hmm. it's very easy. It's very easy to connect, you know, and, and to start a relationship uh, with, a, with a grandkid or the boy or the girl. And there's stuff in there for little kids and big kids and teenagers and anybody who's interested in magic. Where did your interest in magic come from? Um. I, I, the, there's a stock answer, but it seems to be true of most magicians. Either uh, we got a magic kit or we saw a magician. And in my case, it was both. I don't really remember what, which came first, but uh, I was just immediately uh, taken with it. You know, and in the, in the seeing of the magician is, what the heck is going on? Yeah. How, how, how can somebody do this? Um, and with the magic kit, there came some understanding is, oh, oh um, I, I guess that's how you can do it. And it's acting and it's um, a craft, and, but you can pretend to have powers. So, uh, you know, I, I was interested in, in play acting, being a magician. But I was also, when I got the magic kit, just fascinated by the methods and the ideas and the thinking, and so, uh, which is a big part of magic. And, 
And part of the pleasures of uh, what keeps me in magic is uh, learning new stuff or inventing stuff or uh, reading the huge amount of uh, material that is uh, currently available to thinking magicians by other thinking magicians. So it was, uh, to answer your question, it was a childhood interest, and I've never lost it. As a child, uh, I was fortunate enough to um, be in the generation when the TVs first came out. Yeah. And, um, you know, you'd come home from school, have lunch, watch TV, and uh, at the time it was the Magic Tom show that was put on by CFCF in Montreal. Okay. And it was Tom Auburn, a fantastic a, a magician, and uh, he had his own variety show later on in the afternoon. So he would entertain us while we were at home having our lunch. And then he was followed by Ted Ziegler, who was known as Johnny Jellybean way back then before he made it famous on the Sonny and Cher show. Okay. Um, yep. You know, and, and I can fully fully appreciate what you said about the wonderment about how did he do that and it was so funny because years later I was going through Dorval Airport and up the escalators came Magic Tom oh, and I was wonderful. like can I get your autograph <laughs> and then he said oh, aren't you a little old for my autograph uh -huh. I said I used to watch you when you used to do your show every lunchtime while you were at CFCF TV, he said, "You sure can have my autograph." <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it was just nice to. It was just nice connect. to co connect, yeah. right? And um, you know, you you owned a, a radio station, and here you are doing magic. And how, how did that happen? Like, you know, radio. Well, well yeah, I, there, I, radio. I, there's I, a lot of magic in radio. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I mean, I, I did my first ra radio in, in college. You know, I had a show. Uh, but it, it was just a music show, and I was and am a, uh, a big jazz buff. Um, so I had a jazz radio right. program. And But when I got out of college, uh, for years I was just a freelance writer. I mm -hmm. worked in publishing a lot, writing book jacket copy. I wrote tabloid trash. I wrote... You know, in college, I learned how to put sentences together. So at that time, freelancing in New York, if you could write copy, you know, you could make a living. So uh, I did that for a while, and I, I wasn't actively uh, doing magic. And then uh, my wife and I moved out uh, to eastern Long Island, and um, I went back and forth to the city as a freelancer, but eventually... It, it's a hundred miles away, and um, I tired of doing that, and I wanted I to find something here. And uh, I, I began writing uh, my, my first magic book at that time, uh, which I fortunately got an advance for, so I could start writing this this book. But um, long story short, somebody had a radio station uh, out here and was a jazz fan and wanted to put jazz on his radio station, which was out of format and not something you're supposed to do. And uh, so he gave me a four-hour shift of Sunday nights from 10 p.m. till 2. And, uh, and I took it. And then he said, you know, you can make some money if you sell advertising for your show. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so I, th I we thought I would try that. And yeah. So I did, and I was pretty good at it. And he said, you know, you can make some more money 
if you um, sell advertising for the rest of the radio station, you know, for our, our uh, Top 40 format. And um, I said... The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and my guest this hour is Alan Kronzik, and he's the author of Grandpa Magic, 116 Easy Tricks, Amazing Brain Teasers, and Simple Stunts to Wow the, ground, the Grandkids. And the website is www.grandpamagic.net. Now that's grandpamagic.net. Alan, I understand that you go to schools and uh, present school programs linking magic to science. What's the connection? Um, I made my own unique uh, approach to this. Uh, when I was a kid, and many of the uh, magicians who go into school and do science programs mm -hmm. are doing a Mr. Wizard program, where you use a principle of magic like magnetism um, or the effects of um, uh, liquid nitrogen, yeah. you know, to show cool stuff. I don't do that. Uh, what I did and do is a program that basically asks, how do you know what's real? How do you know what's real for sure? Is there a way? And essentially, this is a fifth, sixth grade program, and it's inter an interactive program. And I basically start by doing a, um, a long routine with a piece of rope in which all this amazing stuff happens. It gets cut, it's restored, it changes sizes, it changes into other pieces of rope. And the kids, are their eyes are popping out of their head. And so I've got their interest. And then I say, by the way, none of this happened. I can't really do any of this. You know, this is uh, an illusion. This is just an appearance. A magician shows you the false and hides the real. And guess what? So does nature. You know, when you're just looking at things, you're only seeing the surface of things. There's always things going on behind the scenes that we don't know, we don't realize. So that's the basic premise of, of uh, how I begin to talk about science and scientific method and how you test ideas, because it's so easy to be mistaken. And the, the mm -hmm. program is full of good examples of how easily you can be mistaken. Um, and, you know, kids come away with a real uh, awareness of how fallible, you know, um, everyday perception can be how you jump to conclusions and, you know, fill in the blanks and see things that aren't there pretty much daily. So, you know, that's the gist of the program. And then it has a, a, a brainstorming component uh, based on 
uh, a card trick. I do a card trick uh, in which a kid comes up, he takes a card, uh, he puts it back in the deck, I wave my hand, and lo and behold, I take it out of my pocket. And then I ask for hypotheses. Anybody have an idea, you know, how you can do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, in the course of 15 minutes or so, we usually come up with 10, you know, workable ways. Um, and if they can't come up themselves, then I give them some help. But most of them, you know, immediately can can figure out one explanation. Oh, if you have that card in your pocket the whole time and all the cards in the deck are the same. Okay, that explains it. And uh, you can have other explanations. So we do that for a while, and then I end up doing... Um, oh, then I, to- I explain to them what I really did, and then I do another version which completely blows their mind because it just undoes everything that we just said, you know, with a signed card. And, right. Um, you know, so they're left with a mystery. So it's a, I have great fun performing it, and the kids have great fun uh, watching it. Um, have you found that because of the, the accessibility to the Internet and everyone has a handheld device that this has changed the child's or the person's interest in, in the illusion of magic? Um, well, this whole thing has developed on the Internet, for sure. Of um, There's lots of eye candy magic, mm-hmm. that is stuff on the Internet that looks really great, but you can't do it in person. So, you know, people have been dreaming up the, those kind of illusions specifically um, to put on their YouTube or on their um, Instagram, and... That's a thing in itself. The Internet explosion has also made an enormous uh, amount of resources available to anybody who wants to study magic. And some of them are excellent and some of them are dreadful. Um, but there's a huge abundance. You know, when I was growing up, it was difficult to get se- secrets. Uh, you go to the library and, you know, I'd read every book in the library and then that's it. I'm I'm out of secrets. I didn't know that there were books you could just get from magic dealers. You know, there, there was a special place and a, a huge number of books that weren't available to the public. So discovering those, you know, was, was wonderful and going through those books and learning, you know, what, what I should read next. Um, but now there's a massive amount of how-to mm-hmm. material. Um, and you can pretty much Google the secret to most anything and come up either with a real explanation or a bogus explanation. And you may not know the difference which, because so many of the explanations of how people are doing things are completely wrong, and they don't actually work. Yeah, I, I must say that, uh, I'm besides you, my favorite magicians are Penn and Teller. Uh, me too. Me too. The, um, you, you watch uh, Fool Us? Do you have that? Their, their uh, program in which they have a lot of guest magicians. Yes. And trying to fool them yes. and then they yeah that's i think that is uh has really helped people understand what magic is about and for and you know how you look at it how you evaluate it how you think about it and i think they're really good in in uh in promoting it and they've sure given a a lot of talented people um airtime yes they certainly have now you wrote a new york uh, times best-selling guide to the harry potter, potter series the sorcerer's companion mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> How did that come about? Um, I was um, uh, contemplating a, a book for middle school kids about um, 
the history of magic, mm-hmm. um, not as a performing art, but as uh, people's belief systems. You know, and uh, I had already written a how-to magic book, and I was doing these school programs, and often I would get asked, "Is magic real?" And this was a real question of, you know, um, a fifth grader, a fourth grader. They, are witches real? Do people have these powers? And there weren't any um, books in the in the kids' school libraries that addressed this question. You know, it was off limits. So I thought I would do that. Um, and just around that time, uh, Harry Potter was beginning to peak in this country. There were, I think, four books out, three or four books. And everybody was reading Harry Potter. And um, so I did, too. And I was surprised by two things. One, how really, really good it was, the series. And secondly, it was full of references to magic lore um, that were just there, not explained. J.K. Rowling was too busy with the plot to stop and say that uh, that, um, Nicholas Flamel in The Sorcerer's Stone was a real historical uh, character a real historical person, and he was an alchemist, and here's where he lived, and this is what he did. That part is in the the book, and most readers understood him to be a fiction, a made-up character. There were a lot of curses and spells and other things that I knew from um, reading about all sorts of magic, which I was interested in since I was a teenager, that that the reader didn't know all this background to magic lore, and... uh, I thought, wow, uh, forget about the book uh, that I was thinking of. Why not a history of magic from Harry Potter's point of view? You know, just using that as a source book to talk about all the things I was going to write about anyway. So um, that's what we did. I wrote this with my daughter, who was at that time um, a graduate student at Princeton in history. So she's uh, a really good writer. And I had this interest in magic, and I had some credibility as a teacher. So once we got the idea, it was fairly easy to sell it uh, and get a publisher and then rack our brains and work ourselves crazy in order to get it out in time for the holidays. We wrote this thing in like 10 months. Wow. Um, and, uh, and then another movie started coming out, and then the book just took off. I just pulled a coffee, a, co- a copy rather, off of my shelf. And if you don't mind, let me just read sure. some of the things from the content. Well, why don't we do this? I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. Okay. So when we come back from the break, let's uh, talk about your book. Thank you for joining us, Alan. And once again, thank you very much for the book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. All right, Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Alan Kronzik. He's the author of Grandpa Magic, 116 Easy Tricks, Amazing Brain Teasers, and Simple Stunts to Wow the Grandkids. And I'll tell you, from personal experience, you won't regret it because the kids really do get wowed. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget the... uh, let me see, the, the March-April edition of the X Chronicles newspaper is now available with our compliments, 92 full-page colors. It's got some great articles, great advertisers. 
Don't miss it. It's available with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And it's Magic Hour here in the Exxon. My guest this hour is Alan Kronzik, and uh, he's the author of Grandpa Magic, 116 Easy Tricks, Amazing Brain Teasers, and Simple Stunts to Wow the Grandkids. And his website is grandpamagic.net. All right, Alan, you wanted to read us something out of the book that you did with your daughter about well, Harry I, Potter. I, I just wanted to give the, the, the listeners a sense of what the sure. contents is. because um, none of it, It's not about the characters in the Harry Potter series. It's not about the plot. It's only about um, the mythology and the real history behind uh, magic lore. So there are entries on tea leaf reading and transfigurations and unicorns, werewolves, witches, the whole witch persecution movement, the concept of uh, wizards. Um, there, there are creatures in the book that have uh, histories in English folklore, like the red cap, you know, um, the mummies, palmistry, etc. So everything magical that J.K. Rowling didn't invent, we tell you the backstory, where it all came from, and uh, what people believed, and uh, how it evolved over time. So that's the idea uh, behind the book. 
And every time, um, not every time, but the book was updated twice to cover all of the Harry Potter uh, books. So thanks for asking. Well, no, I I think that it's very important that that readers, especially children, understand the history behind anything. And what is the basic history of magic? Where was where did it start, and how did it get to be where it is today? Now, we're, um, let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about performance magic, magic tricks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, it's because it's a tricky it's a tricky word, magic, because it has all those mystical connotations, right? You know, with the supernatural, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the Harry Potter book is all about that kind of magic. Um, but the other history of magic, nobody knows for sure when it started, uh, where it came from. Um, I do a program about the history of magic, and I started in uh, first century Greece um, or second century. It's that's the earliest place where we have written descriptions of people performing magic for audiences who understand that they're watching a performance and that they're being fooled and that they're enjoying it. And uh, so that's where we, we know that magic is alive and well as a street art. This is how uh, the trick is called cups and balls. People still do it today mm-hmm. where you have a one, two, three balls and cups and the balls jump around from cup to cup magically and penetrate and do all kinds of things. So that it's a classic of magic and that's the earliest trick we have a description of. There's a whole interesting theory that that magic, um, performance magic, evolved from shamanistic practices going back, you know, um, centuries and centuries before ancient Greece. Uh, it, it's understood by anthropologists that uh, shamans are tribal healers, and there's a, a tremendous amount of ritual that goes into healing ceremonies. Um, and part of that is well known. The shamans do supernatural things using magic tricks. In other words, they're performing. They walk on hot coals. Mm-hmm. They apparently cut themselves and instantly heal. They make things uh, apparently disappear and reappear, you know, using sleight of hand, but not explaining that this was a trick. Meanwhile, many of the people at these ceremonies are on drugs. You know, they're on, on psychedelics doing these rituals and stuff. Um, but... One theory is this is the basis where magic evolved because the shaman was doing a performance. There was singing. There was dancing. It's the origin of show business, according to this theory, which makes them, you know, makes kind of sense because um, they they are performances, and uh, maybe eventually these shamans hit the road um, with a show, and the early magicians worked, you know, on the streets and for tips. But as things evolved, eventually they moved indoors, and the, as the understanding and appreciation of magic evolved, uh, eventually they began to charge admission, and they went from kind of a low-status performer mm-hmm. in the early days to highly respected, you know, superstars by the time you're in the in the um, 1750s. In your book, uh, Grandpa Magic, what is your favorite trick? <laughs> I, I I do love the routine I was telling you about that you can do with your grandkid, the, the um, great zucchini or whatever right. you want to name your grandkid, but uh, the kid goes out of the room, and the people in the audience, uh, for example, name a bunch of celebrities. So you write down all these celebrities' names, and the kid comes back in, and 
you explain what's happened, and he's now going to or she use her psychic powers um, to know what name. The, oh, I should have said the people vote on which celebrity they're going to choose. So out of all the named celebrities, they're thinking of, say, Harry Potter. And uh, Grandpa just um, uh, reads down the list or asks the kid, uh, are we thinking of uh, Joe DiMaggio? Are we thinking of uh, Beyonce? Are we thinking of um, whoever the kids know these days? And are we thinking of uh, Harry Potter? And the kid does a, wait a second, I'm getting a vibe here. Harry Potter. Hmm, yes, that's it, Harry Potter. Um, and so he knows, or she knows, and now this can be repeated several times. Somebody can go with her out of the room, and um, people will have theories about how she knows, but the method behind this is so flexible that people can't figure it out. You know, they, it, it has, it's wonderful for the cuteness factor, but it's a very baffling trick as well. And there's a, you know several variations that are in the book, so I like that um, a lot. And um, the, you mentioned to me, I think before we went on the air, that you learned the the pennies through the uh, hand, the melting pennies routine. Yes, just that's a wonderful favorite of mine. Um, what it looks like for for the listeners is that um, you you have like six pennies or six small coins. And the, the kid opens her hand, and you count them one at a time, and she closes her fist over the six pennies. And then you rub the back of her hand, and slowly one of the pennies penetrates. She opens her hand, now she has five. And you do it again. Rub, rub her hand, now she has four. So the pennies seem to melt through the kid's hand. And the, and the kid, of course, is like, this is a very visceral experience. <laughs> What's going on? Is, did it, is it really going through my hand? You know, can't be, but that that's the way it feels. So uh, I like that one a lot. But everything I put in there, you know, is is tested. It, it It's easy to do. It works. It's impromptu. Nothing needs any uh, particular props. You know, you got everything at home. Oh, the rubber band routine, too, I love. If you haven't tried that, Ronnie, the rubber band, all you need is one or two rubber bands, and the rubber bands can uh, magically jump from fingers to fingers, uh, they can jump over barriers. They can. Uh, uh, there's a cute little bit where you, you just drape a rubber band um, over your fist and tell it to go to sleep, and it crawls inside. Very <laughs> cute. All easy to do um, material. So that, that's how I chose the tricks. Now there's there's one that that I was reading about called How to Bounce a Dinner Roll Off the Floor. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. That's. You know, what what you're going to do from this book, I guess, depends on your personality. Yeah. But, you know, this is a, a thing, um, when the moment is right, it's a wonderful thing to do, not just for kids, but in a restaurant, whatever. What it looks like is you pick up a, a dinner roll from the table. It can be a garlic nut or a dinner roll, or it could even be a um, an apple. And you, what I do is look at it and say, gee, this... This feels a little rubbery. And then you just um, throw it on the floor, and it bounces up like a rubber ball, and, which, of course, it can't do. But, but that's the illusion. It really looks like you're um, throwing the dinner roll on the floor, and up it bounces, and you catch it, and you can do it again. And um, it's a shocker, and it's very funny. You, oh, you also hear 
it hit the floor, which is what really makes the illusion so convincing. So how many restaurants have you been kicked out of? <laughs> uh, no, none. <laughs> Actually, none. In fact, oh, many years ago, I used to do magic in restaurants. That's another thing that some magicians do. It's a whole genre of um, table hopping, they call it. You go table to table and perform, you know, like two or three, four tricks for a, a small group or a family. So uh, uh, I did that for years, and I didn't get kicked out of there either. What do you think about the magicians that are on television these days, like Chris Angel? Um, I haven't watched Chris's show in, in several years. Um, the effects were good. I just wasn't a fan of the persona. You know, maybe I'm just too old for it. But, uh, you know, I much preferred uh, Penn and Teller oh, or yeah. Copperfield um, as just the, 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 the persona of the magician. I just, uh, you know, I didn't get Chris's... Uh, uh, freak out, you know, thing. But but uh, I, I hear his um, Vegas show is spectacular. I agree with you. I I would much rather go see uh, Penn and Teller than uh, yeah, Chris Angel. Yeah, Penn and Teller have a more uh, wit. Um, you know, Chris Angel is just, for me, too much, look at me, look at me, look, mm -hmm. look what I can do. Uh, for me, that's not what magic is about. You know, it, it's it's sharing you know it's what you can do with the grandkids it's presenting something with with uh with love and look at this wonderful thing or, or let's let's look at this mystery um all right you know. stand by you hello discover here to explain our cash back match here's how it works we give you cash back for using your discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway then we match that cash back in your first year and that's why we call it cash back match now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about magic this hour here in the X-Zone. Our guest is Alan Krausek, and um, he is the author of Grandpa Magic, 116 Easy Tricks, Amazing Brain Teasers, and Simple Stunts to Wow the Grandkids. The website is www.grandpamagic.net. First of all, Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thanks for a great book. I know from personal experience that it really does wow the grandkids, so thank you for that. Uh, much, much appreciated. And um, let me mention that the book, of course, is available for most uh, online uh, booksellers. Uh, let's talk about a, another book that you wrote that I'm sure a lot of people will be very interested to hear about, and that's 52 Ways to Cheat at Poker. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
that has a subtitle, by the way, uh, How to Spot Them, Foil Them, and Defend Yourself Against Them. So it's a, uh, a cheating prevention book, but in reality, it's really a book, um, in my mind, uh, about the trickster imagination, about how you solve uh, problems, about how you create illusions. And it just so happens that um, cheating at poker, uh, many, many methods evolved that um, require and involve sleight of hand. Mm -hmm. And the card cheats, they're the ones who invented uh, bottom dealing and second dealing and false cuts and false shuffles, which magicians use, but they were invented by card cheats. And card sheets, you know, the really good ones, uh, perfected uh, all kinds of um, very clever techniques for creating illusions. And they were really good at it because if they weren't really good at it, they'd end up dead, you know, if they caught cheating in a, in a game. So I, I am not an advocate of cheating. I think it's awful. I never cheat at poker. But I think the the thinking behind the methods are just extraordinarily clever, as they are in many magic tricks. So for me, the book really isn't about cheating at poker. It's about um, problem solving and using uh, your imagination to outwit your opponent, create illusions, um, and present them in a flawless way. All right. So I'm, fo- a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of the, that book. It's one of my favorite books, but just for that reason, because it's full of clever thinking. All right, so what are some of your favorite scams with cards? Um, Historically, one of my favorite scams is something that's uh, known as um, uh, papering the neighborhood. This was done like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, but it can still be done today in another um, variation. It involves uh, making sure that all of the places that sell playing cards within a limited area have marked cards instead of regular decks of cards. And this was done by um, teams in the old days, by teams of bogus card salespeople who would go around and, and visit uh, various shops uh, with a um, an incredible deal on a new brand of playing cards. Um, in the new, in a, in a modern version of the same scam, um, I might uh, arrange to have all the decks in the local 7-Eleven um, be marked decks. Now, how could I do that? The book explains how people have done it before. You go in and you buy them. You take them home using a, a lot of skill. You secretly open the cards. You mark them. You put them back. You reseal them. You take them back to the store. and You say, I meant to buy um, the, the blue ones. I meant to buy the, the uh, poker size. I meant to buy the pinochle deck. And you return the cards. And now the the uh, store has marked cards. And the second part of the scam is to get those cards into a game. And usually um, you can, um, one way of doing it was to have the cards you're playing with get destroyed, have beer uh, poured on them or something, or somebody say, let's get a fresh deck, run down to the 7-Eleven, pick one up, or to the cigar store in the lobby of the hotel, which is a a scam that uh, I think, robbed uh, Arnold Rothstein, some famous uh, uh, gangster uh, of, uh, of a lot of money using marked cards. So it, that, that, that's the concept, uh, making sure that available cards are already marked. Um, another thing that's very clever was called punch work, where you can just um, mark cards in advance with a pinprick. 
so that you don't have to look at them. But when you're the dealer, you feel the prick and you know you've just dealt somebody an ace or a king or whatever you've marked for. So th- those are clever. And also very clever are the many ways that have been devised to nullify the cutting of the deck. You know, because in a, in a poker game in, at home or a casino, but particularly at home, after you shuffle, you're supposed to give the cards to somebody else to cut them. Right, yeah. And um, so one of the early problems for card cheats was, well, how do I, oh, I want to stack the deck. I want to have cards prearranged. The cut's going to ruin that. So how do I um, get around that? And I think we have maybe 10 different solutions in the in the book, some involving sleight of hand, some not involving sleight of hand, some getting the guy to uh, uncut the deck himself. Um, <laughs> so there, 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 uh, cl- uh, cleverness is the op- operative word here. And it's, it's, it's not just of card sheets, but um, the whole concept of um, deception being a... Um, a a human trait that everybody everybody's born with the ability uh, to deceive and everybody deceives from a very early age on and people use deception every day you know all the time for different things um i happen to like using it to create interesting magic tricks uh, that people will enjoy um and, and not to cheat or anything but uh the, the concept of deception and the psychology about how people are deceived and fooled and what people do is a, uh, a great fascination to me. Not because I want to cheat or deceive anybody, but it's human nature. And um, deceivers, have the, like Machiavelli on, were very, very clever. You know, um, we've been talking about the last couple of minutes about, you know, favorite card games. But let's say you're sitting down at a card table. How can you tell whether or not you're being dealt a hand from a marked deck? Um, well, there is there is no guaranteed way. No, um, no. There's there's so many marking techniques, um, and so even with the deck in your hands, um, th- there are numerous tests for testing for certain things, um, like. For years, you could buy and still can buy a marked deck. I think you can buy one, you know, from an online retailer as a as a magic novelty. Uh, and the marking system is relatively simple. And if you take that deck and um, place your thumb on the outer left uh, corner and riffle down with your thumb and look at the cards as they come by, um, you can see the little marks jump around, you know, like a flip book. Oh. Wow. Um, so that's one way of detecting a commonly marked um, deck. But there are just so many different ways that uh, I don't think I could do it. Somebody could easily get a marked deck past me. You know, we've got about uh, two minutes left. First of all, okay. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a delight talking to you. I wish you much success. And um, congratulations. Well, thanks to you. You know, yeah. thanks, thanks for re- getting the book and thanks for all those magic tunes uh, to introduce everything. Um, well, we care around here. You know, we take our jobs very seriously. Yeah, and there, when you uh, ran your opening um, uh, intro, there was a line in there that, that caught me right away. Fiction is reality. Yeah. Right? Where fact is and fiction and fiction is reality. That's right. 
Yeah, and that applies to magic, you know, to everything I do. I mean, everything I do as a performer is mm -hmm. fiction, but it sure looks like reality. It certainly does, and uh, we thank you for that. Quickly, let our listeners know how they can get copies of both your books. Uh, all of these books, uh, all of my books are available at online retailers like Amazon, mm -hmm. um, but also on grandpamagic.net. Um, there's a way of entering your uh, zip code and seeing if you can find a, um, a brick-and-mortar store near you, if you prefer that. If not, um, easy access online. So uh, you can just try that at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or um, Walmart and Target, I think, have it. Um, or go to my website, grandpamagic.net. Alan, thank you ever so much for joining us. Continued success. Uh, what's your next book going to be? I uh, don't know yet. <laughs> mm. still, still looking around. <laughs> thank you for all you do, Alan. Thank you for having me, Rob. Great, great pleasure. Take care of yourself, good sir. You too. All right, Exo Nation. I, like I can tell you, this book, Grandpa Magic, is a great book. It's available through Alan's website at www.grandpamagic.net. And um, you'll, you'll love the expression on the children, those little faces and how they light up because you did something magic. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.